We're going to read verses 4 through 13. Last week we talked about the scattering of the early church because of persecution that arose and they were just scattered throughout Samaria. And the last verse that we left off on uh, last week's message was verse 4 of, of 8 and that's where we're going to pick up the reading. Verse 4. Therefore those who had been scattered went about preaching the word and Philip went down to the city of Samaria and began proclaiming Christ to them. And the multitudes with one accord were giving attention to what was said by Philip as they heard and saw the signs which he was performing. For in the case of many who had unclean spirits, they were coming out of them, shouting with a loud voice. And many who had been paralyzed and lame were healed, and there was much rejoicing in that city. What a powerful scene. Verse 9. Now there was a certain man named Simon, who formerly was practicing magic in the city and astonishing the people of Samaria, claiming to be someone great. And they, and they all, from smallest to greatest, were giving attention to him, saying, This man is what is called the great power of God. And they were giving him attention because he had, for a long time, astonished them with, the magic, with, with his magic arts. But when they believed Philip preaching the good news about the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ, They were being baptized, men and women alike, and even Simon himself believed. And after being baptized, he continued on with Philip. And as he observed signs and great, uh, as observed signs and great miracles taking place, he was constantly amazed. Amen. We'll stop there. Last week we talked about belief and how our belief is so consequential that if I believe in anything, there will be a pushback. That I'm going to be challenged on that belief. If I believe in a certain way of raising my family, there most certainly will be relatives, there will be people that will say, I don't agree with the way you raise your family. There will be a way that I believe that I should do my job. There will be a colleague, a manager, a boss of some sort that will push back to that belief. And so any belief that I have requires me to stand on that belief and in a sense push forward against any opposition that might come. What's present in belief in the family or in the workplace is definitely applicable to our faith in Jesus. That when a person decides to believe in Jesus and give his life over to God and follow a life that is pleasing to him, there will be pushback. And so last week's message of I believe was really just pushing the fact that if we believe in Christ, that we must be able to push forward beyond any obstacles that would face us. And I gave you this imagery. It was the fire test. That there are multiple materials, that there can be gold or sticks I gave to you. And when they pass through the flames of a fire, it will reveal what it is. That the flame does not make gold gold, and it does not make wood wood. It merely reveals what it is. And I stated to you that hardships in life don't make us bitter, right? Hardships in life reveal bitterness that is inside, or it reveals strength that is inside. That two people can encounter the same hardships and yet have a dramatically different result because it's uncovering what's inside. And so hardships is like a flame. It's a crucible in which just it begins to press out what is inside. And last week we talked about the persecution of the church. Saul was just 
carting people off into prison. There was this widespread persecution amongst the general public in that society and generation against believers of Christ. And if I were a follower of Christ, I would have most certainly put my faith to the test. And it was intense. Intense to the point where you could not stay in the city of Jerusalem and every believer began to be scattered except a few devout people that would bury the body of Stephen. And these people were just being pushed out of their homes. They weren't gathering everything that belonged to them. Probably the most precious things, grabbing their children by the hand and a few maybe family heirlooms and some money and just running out the door for for dear life. And this is the scene of what is happening. They're just not going down the main streets. They're filling the side streets and trails. And they're just scattering, worrying that someone is pursuing them, looking over their shoulder, going from place to place, just trying to keep their family alive because of what they believed. And today's message is about rising above. Rising above what? The British poet eloquently said, Adversity is the first path to truth. And that's Lord Byron. I love that because it's pointing to the fact that when a person encounters adversity in life, you will reveal a truth about that person. It will come to the surface. It will be made plain and evident for all to see. And that's what adversity does. Now, I'll take a little bit more of a modern person, the late uh, John Wooden, the, the infamous UCLA men's basketball coach. And he said, adversity is the state of which man most easily becomes acquainted with himself, being especially free of admirers then. That when adversity sets in, those that were applauding us before and how we puffed out our chest in, in thankfulness to everybody that admired what we were doing. But in the seasons of adversity where people are not clapping us on, but rather they're trying to pull us down, it's in those moments where we become intimately acquainted with who we truly are, of what we stand for, of what we're willing to endure. And this is what adversity does. It is the test of fire. And so today, according to our passage, I want to talk about a couple of things that faith rises above. And the first is this, that faith rises above persecution. That when a person has faith in his or her heart, he or she has the ability to rise above the people, the season, the circumstance of hardship and persecution. Why do I say that? Because faith, in essence, is rooted in God, and persecution is rooted in the things that the world can throw at me. And if I were just to think about those two things, that if faith is rooted in who God is, how He sees my life, how He sees the world, and if persecution is rooted in things that people or the world can inflict upon me, I say that faith rises above. Because, as this graphic will show you, faith is buoyant. That when hard waters rise in our lives, faith that is rooted in God has the ability to be buoyant and rise above the tide, whereas persecution, whereas the things that are rooted in the world will sink like a brick. 
because it affects who we are, who we think we want to be, to the point where we say, I can't take it anymore. I want to be loved by the people around me. I, I want to be comfortable. And it just sinks according to the season. But a faith that is rooted in God, it, it floats upward because it's anchored in the, in the place of heaven, whereas this is anchored in the here, in the now. I want to share a couple of scriptures with you. Psalm 34 says this, Many are the afflictions of the righteous. I don't know how truth, truthful that, that is to your life. That Do you find that if you try to live a righteous life, that you find that there are many afflictions? But many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. What a great promise that is, isn't that? That regardless of what affliction I find myself, in the promise of God is that He will deliver me out of each and every one. That's a powerful promise, right? But as great as this promise is, it doesn't reveal the true hope for the Christian of what affliction does. And Paul wrote about this. And in Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 4, he says, We are afflicted in every way, but we're not crushed. Perplexed, but not despairing. Persecuted, but not forsaken. We're struck down, but not destroyed. And in a sense, you, you, you see here how it pushes back. That affliction and perplex, perplexed moments in life, persecution and being struck down, that all of these are pushing against us. Here's the pushback. But a faith in God says, even though I'm afflicted, I'm not crushed. This is not all my life is about. I believe the essence and identity of who I am is beyond that. Even though I don't understand, I don't despair. Even though I am persecuted, I'm definitely not forsaken. And though people try to strike me, you cannot destroy me. It is the stance of faith that pushes back. But if you go one verse Further here to verse 10 of this very chapter, you find the real hope of affliction. And it's when he says this, always carrying about in the body the dying of Christ. That's the affliction part, the hardship, the suffering. That the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our body. And in this verse, I find the true hope of hardship. Because what affliction does to a person of faith is he she can be made more like Christ. And that's the true hope to me of affliction. That when in faith I can encounter things in my life that are pushing me back, trying to push me down, or even destroy me, that those moments can make me more like Jesus. That the aroma of Christ can come out of my life. It's like crushing a petal and a flower and it just releases something. That when we carry this death and the dying and the suffering of Christ in our bodies, it reveals and it manifests the life of Jesus. And I hope you can find a great promise in this verse. That yes, not being crushed through affliction or not despairing in perplexity or not being forsaken when we're persecuted or not being destroyed when we're struck down. These are all great promises that God will deliver us out of each one of these moments. But the greater joy and the greater hope of this season people find themselves in is that the body and the life of Christ 
is shown more beautifully, more fully in those seasons, in those moments. That faith rises above persecution. The church is in a really hard spot in this early season of this first century. The religious leaders, the the ones that had the big hats, the ones that had authority and power, the ones who could jail them, the ones that can make their life difficult, these guys were being rubbed the wrong way by this group. And they wanted to do anything and everything within their power or scope to be able to snuff out this Christian movement. And so they were being jailed left and right. And it wasn't even just the men. It was men and women. And you can imagine, young and old, they were being carted off and treated badly. And in this difficult moment, you would think that it would be this small, little tiny flame that would just be snuffed out like that, blown out like a candle on a birthday cake. But it was so much different. That the harder the winds blew and the more fists that were, that were thrown you found that this flame was getting stronger, even though that it was being scattered. And what was happening is that these flames of these Christians in the hearts of these people, it was being spread through the regions of Samaria. And now, not were they just running for their lives, but they were preaching the gospel wherever they went. The very thing that compromised them in Jerusalem, they were continuing to do in Samaria. Because faith was real. And so faith rises above persecution. And so if you find that you cannot withstand a pushback, it is about looking in at the faith and seeing that fire test. And this heart and this faith of mine on the inside being made into gold, something that can be refined and and more pure through those hardship flames. Second is this. Faith rises above signs and wonders. Philip made it to the city of Samaria. And there was this pretty kind of uh, huge, kind of very big personality that was there. And his name was Simon. And uh, as our passage stated that he was a magician, that he was able to do things that really astonished people. I mean, we're talking about David Copperfield and then some, maybe. I mean, like, it was in a moment where you didn't realize that it was just an illusion. You, you really thought that this guy had some supernatural power, that he was, had this, this great name, right? This great reputation. The great power of God was what preceded him. And this man, Simon, catches wind of what Philip is preaching. And not only does he hear what Philip is preaching, he's beginning to see what is happening through his life. Because just like Stephen before him, who was doing, performing signs and wonders, so too Philip, when he was in Samaria, being one of those chosen seven to serve tables, he too was preaching the gospel and people were being healed. Those who were oppressed by spirits were being delivered. Those that were sick or lame, they were being made well and they were healed. 
And so Simon takes notice of Philip and he begins to say, wow, you're, you're encroaching on my space a little bit. This is my city. These are my people. I have them wrapped around my finger. And Philip's coming into his space now and doing other signs and wonders. And so his attention is perked. He's thinking, what are you doing? And the more he listens, he gets past the signs and the wonders for a second and he begins to hear the message. And this is what was happening in that city of Samaria. The signs and the wonders seemed to have hooked them, but they were getting past that and hearing the message. And this is what I want to talk about in this particular point. That a faith in Jesus must rise above a miracle we can experience. A healing we can have. A provision that would be given to us. When Jesus was ministering and he was going from region to region, multitudes were following him and many of them were going and following because their stomachs were being filled. I mean, there would be thousands on a hillside and he would just, through miracles, feed their stomachs. And so many had great intentions in following Christ, but there were also some in the crowd that were following because of the provisions that he was providing, the healing that he was giving. And when faith is just in that arena, when it's only about what God can give to me, what He will perform for me, what He can provide, then it becomes this space that is shallow. And yes, there is great, uh, there, there, there is great fruit when, when Christians walk in the supernatural, when they're able to believe in the power of God that goes beyond reality, the material world, and can point people to a God that is above and beyond There is great power in that. And we must, as believers, understand that God has called us to live above the natural world, to know that life is more than just what we can see with our our eyes and feel with our hands. That God is above that, that He in any moment can come and invade this world and take it above what is naturally possible. That He can provide in ways that really cannot be provided by by man. That he can do things that are beyond the scope of one's ability. And this is something that Christians must believe and walk in. But I say this, when I look at this passage, that a faith in Christ must be elevated above and beyond the signs and the wonders. That the people were hearing Philip speak about Christ and the message of the gospel, and they were believing They were believing. And so, as I, I'm going to close off this message in a, in a, in a little bit. And pray some of you guys come back. I want to close off with one simple kind of thing that I want to put in front of you. And it's a question. And it's really a choice of asking ourselves, what will be my thermostat? What will be the thing that causes me to react? What will set the temperature in my life? Is it circumstances or is it faith? And I say circumstances in both of this because my first point was that faith rises above persecution. That's a bad thing, right? Persecution is a hard thing. But the second was faith rises above signs and wonders. And signs and wonders are a good thing. 
They're the good things that God can give to us. It's the healing and the provision and all of the, the amazing things that God can provide. That's a good thing. But all of those are still wrapped in circumstances. Am I walking or am I disabled? Am I hungry or am I well fed? Can I see or am I blind? That's the miracles. The persecution is, am I comfortable or am I running? All right. And so whenever life and how I emotionally react to life is based on circumstance, the good or the bad that I have or receive, then it just gets me hot under the collar. It's, it just pushes me ways to react in, in ways that are, are not becoming of God. But when faith becomes the thermostat, when that sets the temperature, it keeps me even keel and cool. That when faith is rooted in God in the place of heaven, that regardless of what I face, the persecution or the good, that I'm able to allow a faith in God to keep me steady, to set the temperature of my life. And so I pose that to you, to say, what is causing the temperature in your life? Is it the reaction to the circumstance? Or is it dictated by a faith? that is anchored in God and in heaven. And I encourage you to make faith the anchor. Amen? Amen.